Welcome to another episode of Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. Today is August 1st, 2021. It's 10.55 in the evening. Shout out to my son, my oldest son, Aiden. A.J., he's not a junior. Uh, But Aiden Joshua Yancey, he's officially, officially 11 years old today. Let's see here, let's hop back in the time machine. What was 11 years ago? Yeah, I remember I remember some of his birth, but in the hospital he was at. But I don't remember a whole lot of details from my son Aiden's, Aiden's birth. Like, out of all the children... Aiden is like the least memorable birth at all of them. I remember my oldest daughter Leah's birth. Uh, I remember Matthew's birth because he was born. Uh, he was born early, and then I remember Ava's because she's the youngest. But Aiden, I barely remember details from that. It's interesting. Anyway, shout out to him. Shout out to everyone else that has birthdays this month in August. Shout out to a good old friend, uh, BB. I don't know if she listens to this at all. She may listen to this later. Who knows? But her birthday is tomorrow. Shout out to my niece. Her birthday is tomorrow. She's turning 18. That's how I know I'm getting old. I got an 18-year-old niece. Um, I remember briefly changing her diapers a couple times. Um, yeah, shout out to her, Destiny. Yeah, it's her birthday. And who else has birthdays? Oh, shout out to uh, Anne at my church. She is, uh, her birthday's today. She had a 50th wedding anniversary as well, her and her husband, Rick. Shout out to them. I don't know if they ever listen to this someday, but hey, just shout out. <laughs> uh, anybody else I'm missing? Birthdays? Not that I can think of, but... Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> If you are a regular listener to this podcast and uh, you would like a birthday shout out, uh, go ahead. Send me an email to chewthebible at gmail.com. I'd love to shout you out. Oh, let me hit this play button as well. There we go. So, yeah, I took a real quick. I was going to say I took a break from doing the podcast uh, just to clear my head on some things. And I've been back driving. Not a whole lot, but over 40 hours again. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be int- going to be interesting to see where things go the next few months with COVID and this Delta variant they're talking about. But it's crazy times, crazy times we're living in. I'm just going to go ahead and hop right into There's more things I could say, but I'm just going to go ahead and hop right into uh Romans 8, I keep saying I'm going to try to keep these episodes short. Uh, we're going to be reading Romans part. I'm going to read verse, since I feel like the Lord is on Romans 8 a lot lately. So I'm going to um, read through that bit by bit. I'm going to probably try to knock out at least four or five episodes tonight. And yeah, just go through Romans 8. Uh, chunks of verses at a time. So I'm going to start out with verses 1 through 11 and just kind of pray through that. And then we'll go our text for today. Now we're on uh, Numbers 22, which is very interesting because it's talking about a talking donkey. One of my, just when, like, it's crazy. Like, 
every time I go through this, I read a good chunk of the Pentateuch with a friend uh, last year. We pretty much read everything up until we stopped at like Deuteronomy. And and I've listened. I've said this before. Yeah, I stopped at Deuteron- Deuteronomy 4. I got my note in here. Yeah, we were reading that back in January of uh, this earlier this year. And uh, yeah, and I've listened to the entire Bible a couple times. But some of these stories I totally forgot about. Like, yeah, I forgot about them already. And each time I come up on them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is really cool. And then I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I, f- I forgot like how many back to back chapters in the Bible are just full of just like really cool stories. So anyway, let's go right into it. Romans. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do Romans, uh, Romans 8 verses 1 through 11. So it says. What do I want to read from do I want to read? I think I want to leave free from the New Living, New Living Translation. NLT. So it says life in the spirit. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the live life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by living, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse four, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Romans 8. 6 uh Romans 8 1 through 11 Lord thank you Lord just um that the same spirit of God that raised you from the dead lives inside of us and Lord we just thank you Lord that we can rest on that help us to meditate on that and really understand what that means that that same spirit that raised you from the dead lives inside of us and we have power we have peace we have healing we have restoration we have joy um because of that and so i just thank you lord for your word i think as we enter into numbers 22 that it will speak to our hearts that will transform our minds it would continue to grow us and help us to really grow closer and closer to you say if we draw near to you you'll draw near to us so 
We thank you for this time. Uh, I don't want to take for granted any moment that I'm able to just speak and uh, have the ability to talk. I have oxygen in my lungs. I have health in my bones. And um, so, Lord, just we just thank you. We glorify. We honor you. And uh, we give you this time to enjoy your word. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. So we are in Numbers 22. Uh, just do a quick recap. <laughs> a lot happened in Numbers 20, 21. Go back and listen to some of those episodes on Chew the Bible or just read them on your own. Read those chapters. Uh, yeah, yeah, Moses was told by God to speak to the rock, and then he strikes the rock out of anger toward the, the just frustration of the children of Israel. Um, also, they're trying to go down to the, they're trying to head to the, the promised land, and they run into their cousins, the Reds or the Edomites, uh, the, you know, the cousins, the, the great-grandchildren of Esau, um, and because the children of Israel descend from the um, they're like the great grandchildren of Jacob. So, anyway, they run up on the Edomites and they're like, hey, they think that they can go the straight, direct route, directly through the Highway 70 route, straight through to the promised land. Um, and their cousins are like, nah, nah, sorry, uh uh-uh, he ain't passing. King of Edom was like, sorry. Mm-mm. And then they run up. Then so they have to go around and they run up against some more people that won't let them pass through. So they're like, all right, we're just gonna have to fight y'all. And they yeah, God gives them the victory over the Canaanite king. And then they journey around, and they go to Moab, and they run up against uh the Amorite king, and yeah, because he was not letting them through travel through the king's highway. And so they yeah, destroys them. And then yeah. Oh, what else happened? Oh, yeah, people were complaining. What were they complaining about this time? Yeah, about no bread, no water, and all that. So God sent snakes in the land. And he didn't get rid of the snakes. He left them there. And then he said, hey, if y'all want healing, a lot of them died. And he said, if y'all want healing, y'all got to look at this bronze stick. And it has a snake around it. And if you look on it, um, you'll be healed, and it's just a foreshadowing to Jesus. So, anyway, go back, listen to those old episodes. That's the best recap I can do right now, <laughs> so without going too deep into those stories. I think I did a pretty good job on that. So, all right, so we are on, like I said, Numbers 22. It says, ba- uh, Balak hires Balaam. Let's see how many verses we got in here. 41 verses. All right, we'll try to keep this somewhat short. All right, I already used 11 minutes, so forgive me. The Israelites traveled on and camped in the plains of Moab near the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Moab was terrified of the people because they were numerous, and Moab dreaded the Israelites. So the Moabites said to the elders of Midian, This horde will devour everything around us like an ox eats up the green plants in the field. Since Balak, son of Zippor, was Moab's king at the time, he sent messengers to Balaam, son of Baor, at Pethor, which is by the Euphrates, in the land of his people. Balak said to him, Look, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the surface of the land and are living right across from me. Please come and put a curse on these people for me because they are more powerful than I am. Bad idea, homie. I may, oh, I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that those of you 
those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. That's what a lot of people get a prayer. They use that prayer. Uh, those that bless you, bless you. And those who curse you, curse be cursed this year. Anyway, I'm going to keep going because I could talk about that. But we're not going to do that right now. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to underline that, though. We'll come back to that. Maybe. Just what's cool there is, like, he, the children of Israel, like, in in the God they serve, Yahweh, he's becoming famous amongst these these different uh, enemy tribes. And they know, like, hey, they're nothing to play around with. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, it's almost as though people starting to recognize the children of Israel's record. And uh, pretty much they're kind of like the Harlem Globe charters of that time. Charters of that time. They're undefeated. Uh, they keep running against the Washington Generals. Is that the name of that team that <laughs> the Globetrotters always play? Anyway, and they always beat them. So anyway, yeah, God's name is being proclaimed around the world. Like, it's like somebody you don't want to play around with. Verse 7, the elders of Moab and Midian, the God of the children of Israel, uh, Israelites, the elders of Moab and Midian departed with fees for divination in hand. Hmm. They came, they came to Balaam and reported Balak's words to him. He said to them, spend the night here and I will give you the answer the Lord tells me. So the officials of Moab stayed with Balaam. When God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Balaam replied to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent this message to me. Look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the surface of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. I may be able to fight against them and drive them away. Then God said to Balaam, you are not to go with them. You are not to curse this people, for they are blessed. So Balaam got up the next morning and said to Balak's officials, go back to your land because the Lord has refused to let me go with you. Mm. Wow. It's cool that he had this direct conversation with God. Very clear communication. Verse fourteen: The officials of Moab arose, returned to ba- the officials of Moab arose, returned to ba- Balak, and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. Balak sent officials again, who were more numerous and higher in rank than the others. They came to Balaam and said to him, "This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says: Let nothing keep you from coming to me, for I will greatly honor you, and do whatever you ask of me. So please come and put a curse on these people for me." But Balaam responded to the servants of Balak, if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go against the command of the Lord my God to do anything small or great. Please stay here overnight as the others did so that I may find out what else the Lord has to tell me. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, this guy couldn't be bought. Balak couldn't be bought. Verse 20, God came to Balaam at night and said to him, Huh. I mean, not Balak, Balaam. Balaam's the one that couldn't be bought. <laughs> He's the one having the direct communication. Balak is the one that was trying to put the curse on uh, the Israelites. My bad, sorry, y'all. Verse 20, God came to Balaam at night. Got a couple bees going on, so easy to get them mixed up. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, Since these men have come to summon you, get up and go with them. But you must only do what I tell you. When he got up in the morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and sent with the officials 
and went with the officials of Moab, Balaam's donkey and the angel. But God was incensed that Balaam was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand on the path to oppose him. Balaam was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, remember when we saw it's the angel of the Lord, usually that's a Christophany, meaning the appearance of Jesus. So, standing on the path with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the path and went into the field. So, Balaam hit her hit her to return her to the path. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow passage between the vineyards with a stone wall on either side. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pressed herself against the wall, squeezing Balaam's foot against it. So he hit her once again. The angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she crouched down under Balaam. So he became furious and beat the donkey with his stick. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she asked Balaam, What have I done to you that you have beaten me with these three beaten me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You made me look like a fool if I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you now. Hmm. Donkey talking. Right, let's keep going, it's getting interesting. Verse 30, but the donkey said, am I not the donkey you've ridden all your life until today? Have I ever treated you this way before? No, he replied. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the path with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam knelt low and bowed in worship on his face, bowed in worship on his face. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Look, I came out to oppose you, but because I consider what you are doing to be evil. The donkey saw me and turned away from me three times. If she had not turned away from me, I would have killed you by now and let her live. I would have killed you and let the donkey live. Wow. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, of the Lord I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the path to confront me. And now, if it is evil in your sight, I will go back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but you are to say only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. That's, I don't know. Once again, I struggle with this because a lot of times I struggle with hearing directly from the Lord. It's like, is this my flesh? Is this me trying? Is this me? Is this fear? Is this... You know, discerning God's voice, the Holy Spirit speaking versus like my own voice. And it's, I think it's just really cool when these examples of the Bible, people that like clearly heard the voice of the Lord, like very direct, like in this case. He got a donkey talking to him and he got the angel of the Lord talking to him. Talk about like double crazy day. Could you imagine? I don't know if Balaam was married, but could you imagine him going back to his wife like, "Babe, you never, you never guess what happened to me today at work." I don't know what I mean, yeah, I'll just you never guess what happened to me today. He's like, "I talked to a donkey and I talked to the angel, talked to the angel of the Lord, of the Lord, an angel," which I believe is Jesus. 
um, yeah, people would, in modern day times, they would want to lock this man up in a, in a sane asylum. So, verse 36, when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite city on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Verse 37, Balak asked Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? It's interesting. So God, at first God was like, hey, you ain't supposed to go. And then God is like, all right. This is interesting because God knew that, it's like God knew that Balaam was going to go anyway. He opposed and let him know, like, hey, I didn't want you to go. But hey, all right, go ahead and go anyway. And then deliver this message to Balak. It's like God already knew ahead of time what was going to happen. Once This is just another example of, I don't know how to say this, but there's these, sometimes there's these roadblocks or God knows that we're going to be stubborn or make mistakes, but no mistake is ever, like God is like, God is like, yeah, God doesn't make mistakes. No, nothing is ever wasted with God. And even our disobedience, he'll use that for his glory. I just had to point that out. So even like, that's why it's, I don't, I'm something I'm working on a lot is just like not beating myself up a lot or getting too hard on myself. Cause I'm like, God, you draw straight lines with crooked sticks. So I'm definitely a crooked stick. I know I'm not gonna, I'm gonna fumble through this and not get it right. But God will honor just like the yes in your heart and that obedient attitude when he does correct you, the Holy Spirit corrects you and nudges you or he brings other people along to correct you. When you humble yourself, God honors that and yeah, he'll use it for his, he'll use, he uses everything for his glory. Even your worst sin, your worst mistake, he will use it for his glory in your testimony, in a testimony that you can give to others of God's faithfulness and his goodness and his power. So anyway, I just had to say that. And I see that all over this story right now. Uh, I didn't really pull that out last time I read this. So verse 36 when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite city on the Arnon border at the edge of his, of his territory. Balak asked Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? <laughs> yeah, he's, I already read this, but I'm reading it again. But he's like, yeah, did I tell you to come right away? Like, like with your parents, when they tell you that, like, they call your name and they expect you to be there. They Parents hate when you take a long time to, ooh, that was one of my parents' biggest pet peeves. It's like, they, if my dad or my mom called you, you were supposed to come right then and there. You ain't supposed to lollygag or take your time. You better attention. Attention? Yeah, so anyway. Uh, did I not send you an ur urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Also, like, didn't... I gave you an incentive as well. Like, didn't you not trust that I was going to pay you? Break you off something for doing... Yeah. Verse 38. Balaam said to him, Look, I have come to you, but can I say anything I want? Why? Because he's a, this guy's a man of authority. So even, so that shows you that even Balaam, when I see that Balaam had respect for Balak in a position of leadership and authority, and he says, hey, he asked for permission to even speak. Um, I struggle with that myself sometimes, like recognizing authority and respect of people in authority and like 
just not half-heartedly just approaching people any old kind of way. I kind of I still struggle with that. Um, even people you may not fully respect their position or their title, they still deserve your respect and your honor, and God will honor that. So Balaam does that, and he says, uh, "Where is it? Yeah, it says, uh, I have come to you, but I can say, can I say anything I want? I must speak only the message God puts in my mouth." So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kirath Kuzath, which means, what does that mean? The city of streets. Balak sacrificed cattle, sheep, and goats, and sent for Balaam and the officials who were with him. All right, these sacrifices he made, who are they to? That's what I'm curious to know. Who was he sacrificing these animals to? In the morning, verse 41, in the morning, Balak took Balaam and brought him to Bamoth Baal. From there, he saw the outskirts of the people's camp. Or it means the high places of Baal or Baal. Some people say Baal. So I say Baal. I don't know. Um, so I'm guessing he was he yeah made those sacrifices to Baal, which is another pagan god. It's not. It wasn't the god of the Israelites. Our god, Yahweh. Um, so we get left with a cliffhanger there. Getting juicy. Let's see what happens. Let's read these Tony Evans notes and then uh gonna close out this particular episode and we move on to the next chapter. So he says, Near the Jordan River across from the city of Jericho is where the book of Deuteronomy opens, as well as the book of Joshua. Balaam was essentially a prophet for hire in an area where the false god of Baal was worshipped. Hmm. Apparently he had a reputation for getting results through the words he spoke. But the Lord's, hmm, wow, so here we have Balaam was a false prophet used for hire for the, for these false gods. So God saw, had a, he had a gift, but he was, here's an example of somebody who had a gift, but they were using it for the wrong thing. And I've heard that before, like there's a lot of people who are prophetic or a lot of a lot of the people, women, like a lot of people that are not just women, but men too, that are psychics or do um, tarot card readings or do a lot of the um, anything related to divin divination, um, just any type of pagan worship, gothic, dark, evil stuff. Um, they have a prophetic gift, a lot of gifting, a lot of times. But if it's not used for the glory of God, then it's going. They have to use it somehow, so they end up using it for. For, yeah, Satan will come in with his demons and, and use it for his glory and not God's glory. I just wanted to point that out. So, yeah, apparently he had a reputation for getting results through the words he spoke. But the Lord's reputation is flawless. If he says something will happen, it will. This is important to understanding what happened next because God had promised Abraham many years before that he would make him into a great nation. He will bless those who bless Abraham and curse anyone who treats Abraham with contempt. That's from Genesis. Yeah, so that line in verse 6, that's from Genesis 12, uh, 2 through 3. These promises would extend to the Israelites, Abraham's blood descendants. King Balak's plan then was failed from the start. 
Although Balaam practiced God-forbidden sorcery, he refused to go with the men Balak sent until he had received an answer from the Lord about it. I'm still curious to know like what who Balaam was was he a did he ever he must have had some type of relationship with God I'm it's not really clear here what Balaam's relationship to God was before this whole incident I'm trying to gather that but I'm not really I'm struggling I have to read some more about this later although Balaam practiced God forbidden sorcery oh yeah it said it it says it right here that's what he, yeah that's what he did he didn't have a relationship with God I don't know. I don't know how to miss that. I'm struggling. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm still kind of rusty. I'm getting back in the fold here after taking some days off. Although Balaam practiced God forbidden sorcery. So, yeah, he wasn't a prophet of God. He he was uh, working, doing sorcery. He refused to go with the men Balak sent until he had received an answer from the Lord about it. The The implication seems to be that he intended to do whatever God told him to do, no matter how God, good the money was which is exactly what he did at most points in the story. So that night, God graciously, at most points, <laughs> so that so God had grace for him. So that night, God graciously condensed, or condescended, hold on, what is this word here? Condescended, condescended to appear. So that night, God graciously condescended to appear to this sorcerer who generally was not committed to living in a manner pleasing to him. It's interesting that he used that word condescending, like basically he's just saying that God, um, God, how do I say this in the best way? Like God was basically willing to, I don't know, you, you know, like you talk, people talk, don't talk down to me that way, you know, don't, condescend me don't um talk to me like a child but god was willing to it's like god wasn't willing to come down to this man's level and meet this man where he was at it's, what i gathered from this is like god saw something in god saw something in balaam and god knew the end of balaam's story he just knew that Balaam was misguided. So this is a, once again, I said this a few episodes ago, like never look at where somebody's at right now or what they're doing right now. Like they could be the most demonic, witchcraft filled person in the world, but God can use them for his glory and completely do a 180. My pastor was just talking about that today, how he used to, you know, he used to, he, he remembers one time cursing in a prayer meeting. He was just, and he had a st strong problem with this, like um, cursing a lot. And God turned his tongue. He said he kind of one day he cursed like 56 times in a you know, single day. He used to quote, I can't remember which scripture he talked about. He quoted, um, yeah, if you if you confess your sins, God is faithful to uh, and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You know, that, um, that particular scripture. And he just kept quoting that over and over and over again every time he cursed. And, um, yeah, anyway, God turned them around. Like, that's that's what we talked about in Romans 8. Like, that's how you know you have the Spirit of God living in you because you desire to do what pleases Him. No longer 
desiring to ple- do what pleases your flesh. If you easily can just keep walking in sin and not blink, then that might be a sign that it just might, there might be a, I'm not going to say, I, I can't question anybody's salvation at all. That's not this between us and God individually. Um, but it's just, a, it's something that you might want to do a health check with like the Holy Spirit, like God in your relationship with him. Um, cause it just might be a sign that you just completely, um, as my pastor was talking about today, just how like walking in darkness, um, and it's so easy to just walk back in the light. It's a matter of like, no matter how far in the dark you are, all this is just take one step and then bam, back in the light. He's right there. Anyway. My whole point in that is saying is like never look at somewhere somebody's at. God always knows the end of somebody's story, the beginning, middle, and end. Nobody is hopeless. God, Holy Spirit can reach anybody. All right, so yeah, so that night God graciously condescended to appear to this sorcerer who generally was not committed to living in a manner pleasing to him. Revelation 2.14, I don't know why they put that scripture in there. God warned him to curse his people. No, God warned him to not to curse his people. Sorry. God was so incensed that Balaam was going to Moab that he appeared in the road as the angel of the Lord to oppose him. Now, yeah, so this is the Christophany. Once again, another example of the Trinity. Um, God appearing to him. So, and then now 2 Peter 2.15 says, Balaam loved the wages of wickedness. So it seems that Balaam really was a mercenary prophet at heart. He cared nothing for Israel and out of greedy motivation was prepared to curse Israel for the reward, despite God's instructions. Hmm. Interesting. Duplicity within the prophet led to the humorous scene between an animal with keen spiritual sense and a human being who was dumb, was as dumb as a rock spiritually. Mm. Don't miss that this is a conversation between a faithful donkey and an unfaithful prophet. Hmm. Wow, interesting. King Balak was shaken in his sandals at the sight of the Israelite horde camped in the desert at the edge of his land, ready to devour his culture like a swarm of locusts descending on a barley crop. So he was a little edgy when Balaam finally arrived, though Balaam warned him that he was only going to say what God put in his mouth. Balak ignored it. He offered a sacrifice to false God to a false to his false god Baal and hustled Balaam to a place called Bamoth Baal, meaning the high places of Baal or Baal. I need to look that up how you say that. I'm gonna Google that. Thus Balak was calling in, in on an idol to curse Israel and expected Balaam to serve as his spiritual megaphone. Wow. It's so interesting today. Um, today was an interesting day because there was a young lady 
this house I went to after we're after church today. And they were talking about being out of town. And when they were on the road, they saw um, this donkey. And saw it up close. She literally showed a picture of a donkey. And I'm like, that's so weird or interesting because I'm getting ready to read Numbers 23 and talk about donkeys. I mean, Numbers 22 and talk about this donkey. I don't know. Sometimes (laughs) my life is like, I have a whole, I need to really, um, did I even document this? I need to write this stuff down. I, I, I mean, I write a lot of it down. But there's all these instances like throughout my days where it feels like God is like so clearly speaking to me. And through these interesting ways that I can't even people would sometimes probably think I'm crazy or nuts if I explain it to them. Um, I'm like, what are the chances that this woman is just showing a picture of a donkey and I'm getting ready to read about Balak and Balaam? Donkey, I mean, yeah, but uh, Balaam, the whole story about Balaam and the donkey, talk the talking donkey, anyway. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, thank you for Numbers 22. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, um, help us to help us to, to be obedient, Lord, to be different than Balaam in this situation, Lord. Um, help us to have a heart that's willing to hear, to at least do like Balaam did in the end, where he would say, hey, I'm not going to say anything outside of what God has told me to speak. Uh, Help us to have a check in our spirit and to hear clearly your voice when you say to speak, when you say not to speak, Um, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, uh, to be led by your spirit, to um, serve you, God, and not these other false gods, Lord, to not be lukewarm, Lord, have one foot in the um, serving the devil and one foot serving you, God. Um, he said, Lord, a, double, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, so help us to have stable minds, Lord, and keep our minds stayed on you and follow you wholeheartedly. And lastly, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, for those that don't know you, God, as we see in this story, here's a man who was practicing divination and sorcery, God. And um, even you, you were able to meet this man and um, come down to earth and, and on his level, Lord, and, and meet him right where he was at. Because you had a plan and you have a purpose for him. You had one for him. And Lord, just like for anybody listening, you have a plan and a purpose for them. So no matter what they're at, if they don't know you, pray in the name of Jesus, so just simply say, you say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Lord. So, Lord, let's pray, Lord, they would um, cry out to you and say, Jesus, come into my heart, change me, transform me, make me new. And um, they would just thank you, saying, this is the day that you have made, that they can rejoice and be glad in it. So I just pray also, Lord, for... Um, you said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I just pray that they would trust in your redemption, Lord, that they, from this day forward, that they can have peace in their heart and the peace of God will rule and reign in their hearts going forward. 
And for those that do know you and that accept you into their hearts, pray, Lord, that they would, um, no matter what stage they're at in life, Lord, that just like the prodigal son who left, um, he, you said, you, he said, Lord, that uh, he was once lost, but now he's found. Um, my son was dead, or out to die, Lord, but now he lives. So I just pray, Lord, that we would just, all of us are prodigals, Lord. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would, um, anytime we're tempted to walk in the darkness, Lord, that we would be led by your Holy Spirit and be brought back into the light. We thank you, Lord, that it's your Holy Spirit that is constantly um, working in us, Lord, so that we can't boast. We can't boast in the works and the in the way you work through us, God. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. I'm going to reset this. Hey, 40 minutes. Not too bad. I'm going to reset this and we'll come back and read uh, Numbers 23.